Section 18 of Secrets of the Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Secrets of the Woods by William J. Long. Section 18. Winter Trails, Part 1. The snow had come and with it a Christmas holiday. For weeks I had looked longingly out of college windows as the first tracking snows came sifting down, my thoughts turning from books and the problems of human wisdom to the winter woods, with their wide white pages written all over by the feet of wild things. Then the sun would shine again, and I knew that the records were washed clean, and the hard-packed leaves as innocent of footmarks as the beach where plover feed when a great wave has chased them away on the twentieth a change came outside the snow fell heavily two days and a night inside books were packed away professors said merry christmas and students were scattering like a bevy of flushed quail to all points of the compass for the holidays the afternoon of the twenty-first found me again in my room under the eaves of the old farmhouse. Before dark I had taken a wide run over the hills and through the woods to the place of my summer camp. How wonderful it all was! The great woods were covered deep with their pure white mantle. Not a fleck, not a track soiled its even whiteness, for the last soft flakes were lingering in the air, and fox and grouse and hare and Lucivee were still keeping the storm truce, hidden deep in their coverts. Every fir and spruce and hemlock had gone to building fairy grottoes as the snow packed their lower branches, under which all sorts of wonders and beauties might be hidden, to say nothing of the wild things for whom nature had been building innumerable tints of white and green as they slept. The silence was absolute, the forest's unconscious tribute to the wonder-worker. Even the trout brook, running black as night among its white-capped boulders and delicate arches of frost and fernwork, between massive banks of feathery white and green, had stopped its idle chatter and tinkled a low bell under the ice, as if only the Angelus could express the wonder of the world. As I came back, softly in the twilight, a movement in an evergreen ahead caught my eye and I stopped for one of the rare sights of the woods, a partridge going to sleep in a warm room of his own making. He looked all about among the trees most carefully, listened, quit-quitted in a low voice to himself, then with a sudden plunge swooped downward head first into the snow. I stole to the spot where he had disappeared, noted the direction of his tunnel, and fell forward with arms outstretched, thinking perhaps to catch him under me and examine his feet to see how his natural snowshoes, nature's winter gift to every grouse, were developing, before letting him go again. But the grouse was an old bird, not to be caught napping, who had thought on the possibilities of being followed ere he made his plunge. He had ploughed under the snow for a couple of feet, then swerved sharply to the left and made a little chamber for himself just under some snow-packed spruce tips, with a foot of snow for a blanket over him. 
when i fell forward disturbing his rest most rudely ere he had time to wink the snow out of his eyes he burst out with a great whirr and sputter between my left hand and my head scattering snow all over me and thundered off through the startled woods flicking a branch here and there with his wings and shaking down a great white shower as he rushed away for deeper solitudes there no doubt he went to sleep in the evergreens congratulating himself on his escape and preferring to take his chances with the owl rather than with some other ground prowler that might come nosing into his hole before the light snow had time to fill it up effectually behind him next morning i was early afield heading for a ridge where i thought the deer of the neighborhood might congregate with the intention of yarding for the winter at the foot of a wild little natural meadow made centuries ago by the beavers i found the trail of two deer which had been helping themselves to some hay that had been cut and stacked there the previous summer my big buck was not with them so i left the trail in peace to push through a belt of woods and across a pond to an old road that led for a mile or two towards the ridge i was seeking early as i was the wood folk were ahead of me their tracks were everywhere eager hungry tracks that poked their noses into every possible hiding place of food or game showing how the two days fast had whetted their appetites and set them to running keenly the moment the last flakes were down and the storm truce ended a suspicious-looking clump of evergreens where something had brushed the snow rudely from the feathery tips stopped me as i hurried down the old road under the evergreens was a hole in the snow and at the bottom of the hole hard inverted cups made by deer's feet i followed on to another hole in the snow it could scarcely be called a trail and then to another and another some twelve or fifteen feet apart leading in swift bounds to some big timber there the curious track separated into three deer trails one of which might well be that of a ten-point buck here was luck luck to find my quarry so early on the first day out and better luck that during my long absence the cunning animal had kept himself and his consort clear of old wally and his devices when i ran to examine the back trail more carefully i found that the deer had passed the night in a dense thicket of evergreen on a hilltop overlooking the road they had come down the hill picking their way among the stumps of a burned clearing stepping carefully in each other's tracks so as to make but a single trail at the road they had leaped clear across from one thicket to another leaving never a trace on the bare even whiteness one might have passed along the road a score of times without noticing that game had crossed there was no doubt now that these were deer that had been often hunted and that had learned their cunning from long experience i followed them rapidly till they began feeding in a little valley then without much caution stealing from tree to thicket giving scant attention to the trail but searching the woods ahead for the last sign showed that i was now but a few minutes behind the deer there they were at last two graceful forms gliding like gray shadows among the snow-laden branches but in vain i searched for lordly head with wide rough antlers sweeping proudly over the brow my buck was not there scarcely had i made the discovery when there was a whistle 
and a plunge up the hill on my left and i had one swift glimpse of him a splendid creature as he bounded away by way of general precaution or else led by some strange sixth sense of danger he had left his companions feeding and mounted the hill where he could look back on his own track there he had been watching me for half an hour till i approached too near when he sounded the alarm and was off i read it all from the trail a few moments later it was of no use to follow him for he ran straight downwind the two others had gone quartering off at right angles to his course obeying his signal promptly and having as yet no idea of what danger followed them when alarmed in this way deer never run far before halting to sniff and listen then if not disturbed they run off again circling back and downwind so as to catch from a distance the scent of anything that follows on their trail i sat still where i was for a good hour watching the chickadees and red squirrels that found me speedily and refusing to move for all the peekings and whistlings of a jay that would fain satisfy his curiosity as to whether i meant harm to the deer or were just benumbed by the cold and incapable of further mischief when i went on i left some scattered bits of meat from my lunch to keep him busy in case the deer were near but there is no need of the precaution the two had learned the leader's lesson of caution well and ran for a mile with many haltings and circlings before they began to feed again even then they moved along at a good pace as they fed till a mile farther on when as i had forelaid the buck came down from a hill to join them and all three moved off toward the big ridge feeding as they went then began a long chase a chase which for the deer met a straightway game and for me a series of wide circles never following the trail directly but approaching it at intervals from leeward hoping to circle ahead of the deer and stalk them at last from an unexpected quarter once when i looked down from a bare hilltop into a valley where the trail ran i had a most interesting glimpse of the big buck doing the same thing from a hill farther on too far away for a shot but near enough to see plainly through my field glass the deer were farther ahead than i supposed they had made a run for it intending to rest after first putting a good space between them and anything that might follow now they were undoubtedly lying down in some far away thicket their minds at rest but their four feet doubled under them for a jump at a short notice trust your nose but keep your feet under you that is dear wisdom on going to sleep meanwhile to take no chances the wary old leader had circled back to wind the trail and watch it a while from a distance before joining them in their rest he stood stock still in his hiding so still that one might have passed close by without noticing him but his head was above the low evergreens eyes ears and nose were busy giving him perfect report of everything that passed in the woods i started to stalk him promptly creeping up the hill behind him chuckling to myself at the rare sport of catching a wild thing at his own game but before i sighted him again he grew uneasy the snow tells everything trotted downhill to the trail and put his nose into it here and there to be sure it was not polluted 
then another of his endless devices to make the noonday siesta full of contentment he followed the back track a little way stepping carefully in his own footprints branched off on the other side of the trail and so circled swiftly back to join his little flock leaving behind him a sad puzzle of disputing tracks for any novice that might follow him end of section eighteen